Uh, Reuben and I have had uh, great weeks, so prep was um, different um, for me, and I think for Reuben too. So uh, it's um, it's not about us. Yeah, Father, I, I just thank you for um, the grace and peace that you just pour out, even when there's uh, things, um, wheels turning and gears graunching and, and things like that. And I just thank you, Father, that we can just look to you and your peace just flows over us. So, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I just know that you've got things to say um, through myself and through Reuben this morning. And, Father, I just pray that uh, our minds would just click into your Holy Spirit right now. And I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that, Father, we would tune out today then and into your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, this is uh, Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read some verses, verses 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. In um, studying out this verse, I found from um, history that this place, Caesarea Philippi, was riddled with old um, monuments to the prophets of Baal. Herod had built a statue to Caesar. There was all these uh, religious idols and statues around about this area. And I thought, you know, that was quite an interesting place for Jesus to take his disciples um, into and then bring up this particular question. And, and it showed me sort of what he's like. Um, in a way, it showed me a little bit of sense of humor and also the fact that he was not afraid of all these other monuments to man's reaching out to God in their own way. And he brings his disciples into this area and you, you sort of see something of the nature of Jesus that he sort of softened. The, the first question was sort of a, a broad question. What do men say? Who do men say that I am? He put it out there. What is everybody else saying? What's the gossip machine saying about me? And they had all these other suggestions, Elijah, John the Baptist. And you've got to realize that in Jewish thinking, they were looking for a Messiah who was going to come back and deliver them from Roman oppression and, and rise up Israel into a position like King David was during his kingdom, which was really the golden years of Israel. That's what they were expecting. They were expecting a warrior king to come and smash the Roman infidels out of it and just destroy them and bring Israel back to glory. 
And one of the things they couldn't get with Jesus was that that's not the way he was operating. And so he's saying to the disciples, who do you say I am? This is against the whole backdrop of these history, these idols, and also their Jewish training of what they were expecting the Messiah to be. Who do you say I am? And through the, through the ages, I believe the Holy Spirit is still asking that question of us today. Who do we say that Jesus really is? And, you know, in, in the clutter of modern life, Jesus is saying, who do you say I am? Where do you place me on your life scale? He wants you to see through the smokescreen of other people's opinions and see him with personal clarity. Who is Jesus to you? You know, um, looking back on my life and as I've grown and matured and aged, when I was younger, I, I used to think quite seriously about what other people close to me thought about me. And I would think, you know, I wonder what Glennis really thinks about me. And this is one of the beauty of marriage. And, you know, I'm, I'm a meeker type of character. And my wife is sort of out there a little bit. And she's really strong. And so I would be in no doubt whatsoever of what Glennis thought of me. Because she would just tell me, you know, Dave, you know, you need to, David, you need to be better in this area. You know, you need to, and, and things like this. And I thought... It used to really intimidate me and drive me nuts because I thought, you know, I don't need to hear that. You know, I want to hear something a little bit more that pampers my ego. And in hindsight, in hindsight, I can see now what a blessing it is to have a lady who tells me the truth. Because historically now, you know, 32 years since I said I do, um, you know, I am a better man for having that sort of input. You know, I'm just, you know, trying to be real. At times it has been um, excruciatingly painful for me to deal with that. But, you know, that is what we need to do. And when I was thinking about this, when Jesus asked that question, I thought, what motivated Jesus to ask his disciples that question? Who do you say that I am? Because um, there's a scripture in Romans 4.12 that says the word of God is alive and active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it pierces the very heart and divides between the division of soul and spirit. And this is such a word. Who do you say that I am? And we can come up with the disciples' first gossipy answer. Oh, you know, Paul says that Jesus is the one who has brought us as children. We are in Christ. You know, it's all about being in Christ. Ruth could say, oh, you know, Jesus is all about outreach, outreach to the community. Carol could say, you know, it's all about family. And you get all these, you know, Jesus is into family. Jesus is into I am in Christ. Jesus is into outreach. You get all these different things. But the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, who is he to you? It's a very personal question. It just cuts. It cuts into you. Because it's meaningless what everybody else says. It's about your heart and him. 
and connecting in that way. I believe, you know, Peter had the answer. The answer that Peter gave was, you are the Christ. That means Messiah. So in um, Greek, Christ means the anointed one. In Hebrew, it's Messiah. So it's sort of the same word, the anointed one, God's one, the, one, the Messiah, the one that we're looking for. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus praised him for that answer. But I believe that it was sort of, Peter was just speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because within months when Jesus went to the cross, all those guys scattered. You know, they were gone. They were gone and never really stood with Jesus. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit came that I believe he, and he was asking that question again. Who was Jesus to you? And the Holy Spirit came in them and they rose up and, and did some awesome things for him. I believe Jesus was prophetically asking that question of us, that that question would go down through the ages. Who am I to you? We've had some, an excellent series, Stop and Go. And I, I believe that when Jesus asked that question, you know, we're 2,000 years later, what he wants us to do is stop and consider who he is right here now in Kerry Kerry 2016. Consider who he is. What does that mean to us? He's saying, I am showing you who God is, what he's like, his heart for people, his passion for this planet, his desire to heal, to restore. I'm showing you God's desire to have sons and daughters and his desire for friendliness. And when you think about all the religious perceptions of God, all the religious perceptions of church, when you look at Jesus for yourself in the New Testament, the thing that is so striking to me is his friendliness. The other week we heard a message about the woman at the well, that he would, he would just sit down amongst the dirt and the sweat and talk to a lady who, religiously speaking, he shouldn't even be talking to. That he would meet with a Pharisee in the night because the Pharisee was too scared of being seen with Jesus and chat with him about some profound truths. And, and you see, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And here's God sitting down with some rejected woman. Here's God sitting down with another religious thing. And this is what he wants us to see. Who is Jesus to you? You know, it's God reaching out to you in a personal way saying, I want to be your friend. I want relationship. That's what, that's what it's about. The interesting thing is, um, just in closing, that as Jesus goes down and said, on this rock, I will build my church. And, and you know, I've heard heaps of sermons about, about this. And, and he was saying that, what is the rock? To me, the rock is simple men and women like you and I believing that Jesus is Lord. Who is Jesus to me? He is Lord. The Holy Spirit comes in and then it becomes, it's a flip of the other side of the coin. Then it becomes more about what we think he's saying about us. Jesus said, who do you say I am? But once you declare him as Lord, it's about receiving 
how he sees you. He sees you as his child, his son, his daughter. He sees you as an overcomer. He sees you with a calling, a destiny that is just awesome. Can you see that flip? Who do you say I am? Lord, I say you're Lord. You are King of Kings. The Holy Spirit comes in. You get what the Bible calls born again. And then it's about potting in what he sees about you. Paul had an excellent sermon last week about facts, faith, and feeling. So it's his facts, his facts. You are my child. I love you. If God is for you, who can stand against me? That's a fact. That's, that's the fact. Awesome. Awesome. Reuben, you're on, mate. wasn't me. <laughs> what an awesome word. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You didn't prep. That was awesome. <laughs> Who do you say that I am? What an important question that he asked. Why is that important to us as Christians? Because it defines who we are. Who do you say that I am? The scripture that comes to mind when, when I ponder that question is, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And I love what Steve was saying, uh, Steve, Dave, I love what Dave was saying. That's not who I say you are, Dave. I say you're, I say you're Dave. I love what Dave was saying about how once we have a handle of who Christ is to us, then he starts telling us who we are to him. Because as we abide in Christ, we are transformed we're circumcised in the heart and we bear much fruit as we remain connected to him so I believe there's people here today that are not so much struggling with the question of who Christ is to them but who they are in the world where do I sit in all of this what do I have to offer why is this not working for me why, why is my relationship with my family not working out? Why is my relationship with my wife on the rocks? Why are my kids not respecting me? All these things. And if we're not sure where we're standing, then it's a problem with who Christ is to us. That's where it, that's where it starts. See, that connection there, that's the vine. That's where we're a branch coming off the vine. And if we're not connected, then we can't expect to bear fruit. So if we're just trying to deal with ourselves without including Christ in the process or without first looking at our connection with him, then we're trying to deal with man. And we're trying to transform and mold 
Adam, man, into something that he just can't be. Amen? It's through the connection with Christ that was given us by his sacrifice when he came to earth and he died at the cross. He took that man with him, the one that we're trying to transform. And he died there. And when he was risen up, when he raised up, we were risen up with him, a new creation. In him. We abide in him. And as we look at that and apply it to our lives, you know, some of the, when it talks about fruit, in Galatians it talks about fruit of the Spirit. And there's nine fruits of the Spirit. There's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all the things I want to be. Amen? If we could take any of those situations that I was talking about before, our dodgy relationship with our parents or our raruraris with our wife or... <laughs> and we could apply all of those fruits of the Spirit to those situations, it's like the calming of the storm. Yeah? But if we're trying to wrestle with the man and trying to push him into all those things, into that kindness and that love and that self-control. I don't know about you, but when I, when I finally pop one thing in, like my self-control, I pop the self-control in, and then all of a sudden something else pops out. <laughs> I can't contain all these things on my own. I don't have the power to do that. And so when I'm trying to wrestle with... Uh, my raru is with my wife <laughs> and I'm trying to wrestle I'm, I'm going alright now women just need unconditional love alright okay what does that even mean All right. okay I'll give it a go and then all of a sudden the tolerance pops out <laughs> and I start noticing things and I'm no I've got to love her anyway and then I just notice more and more and the tolerance is popping out more and more and then I go I finally nail it down and I go oh it's tolerance I need to be more tolerant nail that peg down something else pops up at the back <laughs> and then I'm fighting that you know what I should be doing at the very start is I should be going to the cross I should be going to Christ and saying Lord I abide in you you abide in me, and it's you that are in this situation through me that are going to come and help me sort this out. Because the man, the old man, Reuben, before he understood Christ, can't do it. And I've already established that. That's why I came to him in the first place and accepted what he had done for me. So if I just do that and think, all right, no, I've got Christ. He's going to come into battle with me whenever I fall short. He's going to come into battle with me um, when I call on him. He's going to come and help me put a Band-Aid over this when I need it. Then I haven't really truly accepted that I'm abiding in him. 
Because if I'm abiding in him and he's abiding in me, he's not just a mate that I can call up every now and then when something's going, when a peg's popped out. Bro, you hold that one down. I'll hold this one down. And then another one, oh, okay, I, I, I can't handle that much. Lord, can you just hold those two down and I'll hold this one down? No. He abides in me. I abide in him. He's holding it all down. And I'm holding it all down because we're one. Amen? I'm a new creation. Circumcised in the heart, completely transformed by the blood of Christ. So yeah, when things get hard and when, when I'm distracted, I just need to rebuke that and say no. No. That's Adam that struggles with those things. Christ has the victory, and he abides in me. And I praise him every day for it, because I tell you what, I wouldn't be here talking to you if he didn't abide in me. I wouldn't be in this room. I wouldn't have become a part of this family if he didn't abide in me. And my relationship with my wife and my family wouldn't be there if I didn't abide in him. So I encourage you, church, for those that are that are struggling with wrestling, trying to form the old man into something or the old woman into something that, <laughs> that they just can't be. They just can't. You can't change yourself to be better. You need to let go of yourself. Hand it over to him. Let him take the wheel in you because that's what he's done. He's come down and he abides in you. And he orders the steps of the godly, of those that rest in him. So church, that's, that's my message. I just, uh, I'll ask the team to come back up. But uh, I'm just going to pray as they do. Father, Lord, I just ask that today, that the words that were spoken, Dave and myself, have touched someone here that needed to hear it, Lord. I just pray that someone here gains that understanding of what it truly means to abide in you, rest in you, and have you come and abide in us, Lord. I just pray that moving forward from today in every situation of our life, Lord, we understand that we're not doing this just with you. We're doing this in you, Father. Yes. And Lord, I just pray that through that realization, we understand that you are the victor. You have already overcome every situation that's in our life. And we walk in freedom, absolute freedom. We're no longer slaves to the old man. We're no longer slaves to sin. But we are slaves to righteous living as we walk in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Thank you, Lord.